Lady Samus is under fire. She sent an emergency directive. Join the fight. Calling all Metroid fans. If you've been dying for a Metroid podcast to listen to on the road to Metroid Prime 4, you're in luck. Introducing the Omega Metroid Podcast, the only weekly Metroid show on the internet. Join Andy Spiteri of the Champions Cast and esports personality Dakota the Rapture Lasky as they explore the world of Metroid and talk Samus, Space Pirates, and Nintendo every Tuesday. Finally, a show for Metroid fans by Metroid fans. Subscribe on Podbean and iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Omega Metroid Pod. See you next mission. Welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined as always by my pals, co-hosts, and friends, Allison Aletha, Kevin O'Rourke. How are you guys? Peachy keen. Terrific. How are you, Andy? Terrific. I am absolutely wonderful. It's a great weekend, having a nice lazy Sunday, and I got a cup of coffee in front of me, so I'm fired up and ready to go. I did really uh, quickly want to talk about what we heard at the top of the show. I have started yet another podcast. This is my third. Uh, some people collect Zelda games. I apparently collect podcasts. So, of course, you can hear me on the Champions Cast. Uh, you can hear myself and Gooey over at Virtual Theater talking about video game movies and the stories that shape them. But for anybody that has been listening to this show for any amount of time... You know that I am a massive, massive Metroid fan. And my original idea was I wanted to create uh, kind of a camaraderie between this show and a Metroid podcast. And I didn't seem to be able to find one a couple months ago when the idea started forming in my mind. Um, So I was like, well, I, I can make a Metroid podcast. So I have started a new show based all around Samus, all around the Space Pirates, all around everything Metroid. It is called the Omega Metroid Podcast. It's basically going to be the Champions Cast, but focused on Metroid. So if you guys are fans of Metroid, if you know anybody that is a fan of Metroid, um, you know, send, them, send them our way. We are at Omega Metroid Pod over on Twitter, and uh, we're going to be up and running on Podbean and iTunes and everywhere that you get your podcasts March the 3rd. That is going to be our debut episode, so I'm really, really excited about that. I love Metroid. You know, I love doing the Champions cast, but sometimes when I'm when I'm doing the Champions cast and we get to an episode where maybe we're just covering more general Nintendo stuff, and maybe there's a direct or something like that, and we start maybe hearing a little something about Metroid, I'm just like, I could just talk about this uh, all day. But, you know, the people people listening to our show, they're here for Zelda, and rightfully so. That's that's our first and true love. So I'm really pumped to have an outlet to uh, to basically geek out over the Metroid series. I love Metroid. I, I don't even know. Are you guys fans of the Metroid series? Uh, this might make you sad, but I've never played a Metroid game in my life. Oof. Woof. Woof. Yeah, Metroid's, you know Allison, Metroid's cool. On. What do you think about this, Al? Okay. You play... You play Super Metroid, and then you come on the Omega Metroid podcast and talk about what it's like the first time. That sounds like uh, that sounds like a good time. It's a date. Perfect. Woo! You heard it here. There we go. So yeah, Omega Metroid podcast. Super, super stoked about this. Uh, shout out to my pal Dakota, a.k.a. Rapture. He's my co-host on this. You can follow him at the Rapture underscore over on Twitter. And uh, shout out to our pals over at the Metroid Database. Uh, they've been doing Metroid news for, God, since since the beginning of time, pretty much. Like, back in 1996. The, but when fan sites were in their infancy, Metroid Database was there. So they're helping uh, push the show out to all the Metroid fans out there. So I want to give a shout-out to Ryan and the team over there as well. With that out of the way, uh, let's talk some Zelda. Kevin, I heard that you had uh, a nice little article come out on the website today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? That's right. Uh, we had a collab article between myself and the lovely Skip, uh, Skip on the social media team, 
and myself, we put together a little article about our fun time up in up at uh, Biddeford, Maine, where we went to Yeddo's, a Twilight Princess-inspired Zelda restaurant. Um, we have a great article that just went up on the site today, the 23rd. Um, so if you're hearing this now, it's been up for a couple days and you've probably read it. But if you want to go read it again and share it with your friends, that'd be awesome. Um, we had a really good time going there. It was a pleasure writing it up for the site. Um, and it was just a good time. You got to check out the gallery uh, attached to this article. Specifically, you got to check out the Dark Beast Ganon burger yeah that looks good tell us we need we need to hear about the dark beast ganon burger we you kind of told us like a few weeks ago about it ko but i mean actually seeing the picture for this monster yeah the the beast ganon is incredible um it was really really good and we we tried to like cut it in half and then like pick it up and it's just like too too much good um it was just a really, really awesome, awesome sandwich. Um, and they give you the Yeddo's Mac, homestyle mac and cheese. We got a pickle. Cut that pickle in half, of course, and shared it. Um, the food was amazing. Amazing, amazing. It felt like it was just like a home-cooked meal. It was really, really good. And the drinks, oh, they were really good. I gotta say, when you told me that you went all the way to a Zelda bar or Zelda restaurant, and you were just like, yeah, we we split uh, a meal. My first thought was, like, coward. Like, get get load up on food. And then I saw the the Beast Ganon, and it is, it's 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 Beast. It's like oh, big yeah. Irish so I'll level. give you a pass for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had the Beast Ganon, the mac and cheese, the uh, the pasta, the chicken ridges. Um, it was a it was a very uh, good portion size food. They, they treat you well there. Yeah, no, it, it was, uh, it looks awesome, the food looks great, so check out the article over on Zelda Dungeon, uh, it's kind of a cool little, you know, behind, not behind the scenes, but just a cool little introduction to this awesome restaurant, they've got tons of cool Zelda stuff over there, uh, check them out over on their website, uh, com. if you want to check out their menu, check out their, uh, their staff, anything like that, uh, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool place. With that being said, uh, let's let's get into today's episode, which is all about debating some questions that we had. Um, of course, we did this a few months ago, and I forget exactly what we called it, but essentially we, we took some of the more interesting daily debates that have been going up on ZeldaDungeon.net, and we collected around, what do you say, Al, around 15 or so? Yeah, 15 or 20. So basically, we collected a bunch of really interesting questions that popped up to us uh, and just really seemed to be um, ripe for exploration. And we've got all those questions, so we are just going to go ahead and talk about a whole plethora of different Zelda topics here uh, and literally just debate each other on what we think. So with that being said, are you guys ready? I'm ready. Yes, let's do it. All right, so the first daily debate, and uh, this is maybe my favorite of the whole bunch. Does advanced technology in the Legend of Zelda series distract from the fantasy elements or add to them? I would love to hear what your guys' thoughts are, and I will, I'll chime in after. Okay, I can start. Um, I think it's kind of, that's like kind of an interesting question because the technology that we see in the legend of zelda isn't like any technology that you see in video games or even real life so i feel like because it's its own like for example you know the sheikah uh shrines and the slate and the um the consoles and stuff that you put the slate on and get information from i just feel like that makes it its own fantasy element to the legend of zelda it's just unique so I don't feel like the technology is like advanced in a modern sense that it distracts from the fantasy of Zelda. Good answer. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, I think also too, like there's a couple of games that kind of do this. Um, namely, like Breath of the Wild shows a lot of like advanced tech um, that like the Sheikah technology and, and everything associated with that, like the Divine Beasts. Uh, the Sheikah Slate, all of that, like a camera, like that's something that's just like explained in, and it makes sense within the game and within the universe. 
without like taking away anything. Um, but there are some other games too, like in Skyward Sword, you have the robots um, that are just like quirky, funny characters, and they they just fit like they fit in that world. Um, I think another game that does this pretty well too is Majora's Mask. Um, there's like a logical upgrade in like the tech for that, like for the society in Majora's Mask, which is a bit more of a step up from like the true fantasy setting of Ocarina of Time. So like you look at a place like Great Bay Temple that has like, you know, moving platforms and gears and, and levers and all this like steampunk kind of stuff that's a bit more advanced than like the, the high fantasy setting of stuff. You have people with like instruments like guitars and tons of other like higher tech stuff. It's it's pretty cool. It's a nice contrast. It's cool when, when the Zelda series does that. It's actually funny that you brought up Skyward Sword because I was about to pop off and say like, this question pretty much just applies to Breath of the Wild because we don't really see technology anywhere else in the series to that extent. But I, I mean, I guess you're right. Skyward Sword does have uh, that kind of element going to it. Who could forget our buddy Scrapper? Mm. Yeah. Shout out to him. Um, but yeah, I, I think like, uh, two-part. I mean, first of all, uh, what is your definition of fantasy? Because if you're if you're talking like kind of Lord of the Rings-esque, like elves, uh, like that very classical setting, then I could see where the technology might be might be a little bit distracting for myself. I'm like I'm a really big fan of like like cyberpunky kind of stuff, right? Like I like Blade Runner is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, ghost in the shell like just that that kind of thing is, is my jam so in my mind when i see technology introduced into zelda i'm i'm all for it but as allison kind of said as well like it's still done in a very zelda-esque way it doesn't feel out of place like it feels like technology that you would see in a zelda game rather than like just uh glaringly out of place um i you know even skyward sword i could if someone were to make an argument that the really high advanced technology, like the time shift stones and stuff like that felt out of place, I could maybe buy that. But in breath of the wild specifically, it seemed to me that these, um, like everything kind of tech orientated in that game would fit really well. And I actually for breath of the wild too, I hope that they push that even further because I think like for, for me, like, um, as kind of a fan of cyberpunk, like I just said, like the, the whole idea of like nature versus tech is, is a really interesting theme to me. So for myself, no, it doesn't distract me uh, at all. So yeah, excellent, excellent question. And I, you know, that's almost a full show in and of itself. Like, what would a full-on cyberpunk Zelda game look like? Ooh, yeah, that'd that's be awesome. cool. We're gonna, you know what? Let's put that in our back pocket and save it because actually, I think that that's worth exploring at uh, at a later date. Um, let's move on to our next question here. And I guess before I ask it, uh, the question itself is, is Symphony of the Goddess worth it? Have you guys uh, been able to attend a Symphony of the Goddess concert? Yes, multiple times. I have not. Oh, Kevin. I know. I'm a despicable human being. You really are. Yeah. <laughs> not, not because you have Not because of that, but because <laughs> of because a few of other things. But <laughs> I just thought I'd point that out. You could just if, add if that you, you could just add that to the list. list of why, you hit me up on Twitter, I'll tell <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Symphony of the Goddess is amazing. It's so awesome. It's really, like, obviously, like, it's Zelda music. So if you're a Zelda fan, uh, it's a no-brainer. But it's also really cool in the sense that, like, you go there and you can look over and see someone wearing a tux. You can look to your to your left and see someone dressed as Zelda. You can... It's, it's just, like, such a, such a wicked crowd. Like, for, for me, it's, like, it takes place in this fancy, like, concert hall. But, like, you've got you've got like little kids dressed as link and you've got diehard fans that have been fans for years and years. Like it's, it's almost like going to comic con, but like really classy. So even for that, I just think that it's so cool. And like the way that they, man, the way that they match the music to the video, it's, it's, it's awesome. I would go again in a heartbeat. I've been three times. Same. Oh, wow. I've been three times too. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't like, I 100% agree with all that. I just think not only, you know, somebody might think, oh, is Zelda music really worth spending so-and-so dollars on and having to maybe drive to a venue because it's not near you? First of all, yes, just to that part. But, like, the sense of community there is insane because mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know about anybody else, but where I live, I don't know anybody who likes the Zelda series. All my Zelda friends are here on ZD. So 
when I go to those or when I went to those, it was just like, it was just such a cool thing to see all these people that love the same thing that I did. And, um, back during the Zelda Informer time, I actually went around and asked a bunch of people, cosplayers, if I could take their picture and post it on the ZI Twitter. And they loved that. Absolutely 100% worth it. If, uh, if the tour resumes and it's coming to your area or even like somewhere close to your area, like if you're a Zelda fan, this is an absolute no brainer. Like, Obviously, the music is good. Obviously, the video presentation is good. But I think, like, like what Allison and I both just kind of laid out, it's really the experience and the atmosphere that makes it, like, it takes it to the next level. So, KO, I mean, you, you got to get your tickets if, if this uh, comes back eventually. Yeah, I got to um, check it out next time it's in New York, if it comes, if it comes around here. Here's a question that is going to illustrate why Kevin O'Rourke is such a despicable <laughs> person. Is Triforce Heroes the best Zelda game? Who asked this? Um, Do we have a name beside uh, this so that I can maybe chat with him in private? <laughs> we might. Was it me? <laughs> I don't think it was Kevin. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, I'll, well I'll start. <laughs> it's, it's just a yes or no question. I mean, yes. Yes, it is. It's the best Zelda game. It's in my top five for sure. I want, uh, I want to let our listeners know because I I promised this a couple weeks ago. I was like, you guys, I'm playing through Triforce Heroes. We're gonna do an episode about it, and uh, I my intention is still to do this episode. But by God, I can't play this game solo. I just I'm at I'm at like the first like I'm at the wood area still, and I just I I'm trying to get through, and I'm like, God, this just sucks. Like I I hate playing it solo. So you know what? One thing that we're, maybe we're going to shift. Maybe we're going to try playing it together. We'll have a Champions Cast play along and see maybe if that makes this game a little bit better. I don't know that it will. I don't know anything could. <laughs> oh, no. This game is just a trip. It's it's like going to an amusement park. You have all the different levels, different yeah, themes. Yeah, and, and the roller coaster goes off the rails and you <laughs> crash and injure civilians and break your leg. Hey, that happens in the fire level. Have you gotten there? Oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just you wait. Oh, man. You have your, Andy, you got your A-list theme parks. You got your B parks. You got your C parks. Triforce Heroes is an A park, for sure. Grade A stuff. The only Let's good thing on. about Triforce Heroes is the Hinox and that music. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only good thing Heck about yeah. Triforce Heroes is when you hold the power button and shut it off. <laughs> oh, Next question. Brother. What makes Tingle such an iconic character? Now, this is a great question that we could sink our teeth into. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you'd like that one. Let me tell you why. It's because Tingle is fearless. Tingle embraces who he is. He doesn't apologize to anybody, by God. He is a fairy. He knows it. He believes it. And he is not afraid to tell people what he is he's also courageous he is not afraid to go out and venture into the world and and save princesses or <laughs> get make arrested new friends or go to rupee land he he has the courage to make his convictions a reality and that my friends his his convictions his courage and his unabashed true to self is why tingle is an iconic character. <laughs> is Rupee Land next to Sea Parks, or is it next to Candyland? I want to play that sequel. <laughs> when are we going to get a new Tingle game, Andy? We need it. I could not agree more with you, actually, which is which is odd, because I haven't agreed once with you yet this episode. <laughs> I love Tingle. He is the best character. I agree. He is iconic, too. And he's in a ton of Zelda games. He's got staying power. He's so much fun in Hyrule Warriors also. Tingle is a great character. Can I put out a quick PSA? Sure. Guys, if you were listening to this show, get Tingle's Rosie Rupee Land. It's not that hard to find, actually. If you put it into Amazon, you can find it pretty easily. It's really, really fun. It really is. You've, you've probably heard some bad things about it. It's really fun. I 100% will stand by it, and if you hate it, let me know, 
and I, I will try and explain to you why you're wrong. <laughs> but man, it is really fun. <laughs> it's always been a good time watching it at the um, at the Zelda Dungeon Marathon, watching Locke even, romp even through that game. It's great. That that game probably isn't as fun. But again, that one is actually more available than you probably think. If you type Balloon Trip of Love into Etsy, it'll pop up. You can play that game in English, and it's also a lot of fun. Just saying. Just saying. Do it. Al, anything you want to <laughs> add to our to our boy before we move on? Uh, I think it's a crime that he's not in every single Zelda game. There you go. There you go. He should have been in the NES Zelda games. You they can, should remake them we with can, uh, Tingle. We could do a follow-up and say, if you could add Tingle to any game, where would you add him and why? And my answer Ooh. is Breath of the Wild. Why the heck is Tingle not in Breath of the Wild? Actually, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, oh, yeah, you're right. That question is like three questions away. Let's just answer it now, by God. Uh, yeah, Breath of the Wild. That's, that seems criminal that he's not there. Exactly. Like, Beetle, but not Tingle? Yeah, right. Beetle's been popping up. We've got him in Skyward Sword. We've got him in Breath of the Wild. Why don't we have Tingle? I, I just think Beetle's kind of a schmo. Beetle's alright. He's chill, but he's no Tingle. Yeah. yeah 100%. He's a, he's a schmo. <laughs> oh. Maybe Gosh. he'll show up in Breath of the Wild 2 and just surprise us all. And that would just be amazing. That would be great. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that he wasn't added into, like, uh, the Link's Awakening game. We got Dompe. Mm -hmm. It would have been a good Which spot to throw like Tingle in. a random in. character if you're going to add any character. Although, I, yeah. mean, I guess it makes sense. Eh, they could have added any, but they could have added Tingle and it would have made sense. Yeah. You got the rupee yeah. mechanic in that a little bit where you can have, like, the overload of rupees. It could have worked. There you go. Another reason he's so iconic. Versatile. That's right. Put Tingle anywhere. Uh, okay, let's move on. Um, what is the best collectathon in the Zelda series, Allison? What do you think? Okay, hot take here, and I know people are gonna get mad at me, but Korok hunting oh. is the best collectathon. Oh. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. Nobody's gonna get mad at that. Let that's me great. explain why. Okay, Breath of the Wild's map is so massive, and even with like, of course, Nintendo put 900 Koroks in there, and even with 900 Koroks you still don't explore every nook and cranny of Hyrule. So I really liked that when I was hunting for Koroks, and trust me, I've hunted for all 900 Koroks at least three times, that I got to explore absolutely everything of Hyrule. Because otherwise, I never would have. I feel like getting all 900 is... That's quite the feat. Um, I, I think that it's it's cool that there's so many and. I think what makes it really good is that you don't need to you don't need to get all of them. You don't. Right. Yeah. But oh, the but... fact that there are so many there for you, I I think that that's great. It's like you know you you hear about people all the time saying like this game is so good that I don't want to stop playing it. Koroks to me are like Nintendo being like, "Okay, don't stop." Exactly. KO, what do you think? What's your what's your favorite collectathon in the Zelda series? I think so it's been a little while since I've played through the game but I remember uh playing through a Link Between Worlds and I had so much fun collecting all of the Mai Mai's. I I was going to say either that or something else which I guess I'll say but I agree with you that was a blast. Mai Mai's were fun. Yeah, I like the Mai Mai's and I also like I don't know if you'd call it more of a collectathon but I guess it is. Uh Getting all of the masks in Majora's Mask. Damn it, that, Kevin. I was oh, going to say that too. Shoot. Andy, I we're like on the same wavelength, though. brother. <laughs> that one's an awesome one, though. Oh, all right. Well, then I'll say one that you definitely wouldn't think of. It's great to get all the outfits in Triforce Heroes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you know what? I still have a few that I need to collect. Yeah, I definitely wasn't going to say that. Okay, but yeah, I was going to say... Uh, uh, Link Between Worlds and the masks, but maybe I, I I'll just keep it classic. Uh, Golden Skulltellas from Ocarina of Time. That's just uh, it's great. They're a fun time. I do like yeah, those too. It's uh, the final reward does kind of suck, but that to me is almost like Koroks before Koroks were a thing. Mm -hmm. Like kind of kind of like what I was saying. Like 
I don't want to stop playing. And Nintendo's like, okay, here you go. Like, you can just go throughout the world and collect these um, these gold spiders. Uh, here you go. And, of course, it's it's obviously not on the same level. But, you know, 20 years removed, um, I think that that was a great side quest for its day. Yes, I agree. So, and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that uh, it's in my favorite game. And I get to spend a little bit more time um, in that world. So, yeah. Yeah, I would have said... Probably masks and uh, Mimi's. Mimi's? Mimi's. 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 Feyrors. Feyrors. Mispronouncing <laughs> things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on. If you got to create the next Zelda game on the Switch, what would it be about and how would you make it? I feel oh. like this is very, very like broad and very vague. Oh, this is man. probably something we could sink our teeth into for a long time as well. So I'll try and be just very general. Um, I would, okay. And, and I'm going to leave out breath of the wild too, because we know that that's already being made. So I would remake the Oracle games, uh, Oracle of seasons, Oracle of ages. And I would throw in a remake or not a remake, but kind of like a, a link between worlds esque Oracle of secrets version. Like we talked about a couple oh. episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would be really awesome. So that's what I would do. And I would make it with the powers of my developmental team that's from Nintendo. So there you go. Would you make it with a guy upside down getting whipped and people on fire? <laughs> I think that that has to be in like a secret unlockable room or something like that. Maybe it's like the negative world. You know, oh, yeah. Bros. The minus one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the Andy Spateri land. There you go. What about you, Kev? Um, see, I, I feel like with, <laughs> and I just want to port games. I really would just like to have Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time on the, uh, on the Switch. But if I could, I would love to take a game like within that engine, like the Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask kind of like style and engine and make like a completely unique game from that take the mechanics and everything from the Nintendo 64 Zelda games and just have a new game of that. Maybe a sequel to Majora's Mask. There you go. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Hey, I'd play that. Me too. Um, uh, what you got, Al? I was gonna, I was gonna say with Breath of the Wild 2 coming out, I would take everything that Breath of the Wild 2 is. And I know I've said this on the show before, but I would make it the Majora's Mask of Breath of the Wild. I'd want it to be darker. I would want to have more, like, fulfilling and emotional and investing side characters and side quests. And I just, I, I just want it darker and grittier and like it just something that I feel more invested in. Whereas the story of Breath of the Wild, I didn't feel that invested in. Or to go with the port idea, let's get those CDI games on the switch oh yes yeah yes i need those we're gonna go that route let's get the too much tingle pack on the switch oh yeah (laughs) that sounds like a super combo there can you you imagine the zelda pack with all like do you take the two big tingle games you take the the two big cdi games and it's just one package oh my god oh man it's just one continuous game you beat one and the next one just starts all right, let's keep it moving. Uh, how would you feel if Link actually died at the end of the game? I That sucks. I hate that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I do. I hate that. And I hated it in the in the, in timeline. the timeline. That's what I thought of, I, too. I just thought it was stupid. Because, I first of all, I didn't die fighting Ganon. Okay? There's no cutscene that indicated that... It just felt so random. Like, like if the hero fails... Like, like, last time I checked when you play Ocarina of Time you, and you get a game over, you restart and you, you can't finish the game until you beat Ganon. If it's like, if it was, like, a Mass Effect-esque game where, like, your choices matter and stuff like that, then, okay, I can buy that. But, uh, no, I hate that. I hated it for the timeline. I, you know, I, we, 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 as Zelda fans here a lot of times, like, we want the series to be dark and stuff like that. And, like, I like myself, like, kind of a, a more gritty story and and more um you know dangerous or, or scary themes but like at the same time i don't want it to be like a horror game right like 
Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just I don't like Link dying at the end of the game. I think that's dumb. Fair. I would feel think? I would feel awful. That would suck. Play through the whole game and it's like boom, your hero dies. Yeah. But what if it was like, what if it was the story was told in a way that like brought you through this whole roller coaster of emotions, and it was really fulfilling and then you know link dies at the end and zelda's like telling the story and how they have to move on as a kingdom without the hero and you don't want any of that uh no i'd cry and it'd make me sad i mean i'd cry too i'll play anything as long as a story as long as a story is done right and it's done tastefully and it's justified like okay but at just at the base level like if link actually died at the end of the game like I don't know. No, I, I don't I'd like feel that. sad. I, I like, call me cheesy or whatever, but I like the hero to get his due at the end of the game. I get you. Yeah. I Also, too, like, there are instances where, and aside from, like, the downfall timeline, um, there are instances, like, Link obviously doesn't live forever. He does die. Um, that's more of, like, an off-screen sort of thing. But, you know, you have the hero Shade, mm-hmm. who is, uh, you know, ditto Link. That's kind of cool. But you don't really see him die. Yeah, see, even I don't like that. I, I think that that's dumb. Oh, I think I, that's pretty cool. Hero Shade, really. Oh, um, I love the I, Hero I, Shade. Speaking of, let's move on. The only thing that I hate worse than uh, Link dying <laughs> is this next question. <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel about another Twilight-based game? It would be cool. Tie it a bit more to the Majora's Mask. I'm so, down with that. Does this question mean like another Twilight Princess looking game or another game that has like the Twilight in it? Like set in the same setting. Does that make sense? Like I, I if it know. was set in the same setting but the art style was a little bit different so it wasn't so ugly and they catered to Andy's <laughs> needs, then... <laughs> <laughs> I want a Twilight based game but I don't want any goats. <laughs> no Ilya. <laughs> then, like, no ugliness. I think I think it would be cool to kind of continue on in that setting with the Twilight and all that kind of stuff that was introduced to us in Twilight Princess because it was introduced to us in Twilight Princess and then I feel like we heard from it no more. So I think it would be cool to go back in there and get more of that lore, but I wouldn't want it to look like Twilight Princess. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. U-G-L-Y. <laughs> we don't want no more Twilight. No. <laughs> He's been working on that for the last 30 seconds. Yeah, you've been cooking that up, haven't you? And he's been cooking that up since 2019. Ugly. Okay. (laughs) Aside, let's just forget that Twilight Princess is the ugliest Zelda game that there is. Even uglier than the DS Zelda games, which is a feat in and of itself. Let's just forget that this ugly game has stupid things in it like goats and Ilya and, and the <laughs> aforementioned things Kevin mentioned. I don't want another game in this setting because I feel like actually the story concluded fairly well. Uh, at, at the end of that game, it, you know what? Uh, it was good enough. It concluded well. It had an ending. We can move on. That's great. There's no reason to go back there. I think that the Twilight gimmick is awful. Uh, I, I truly didn't like it. I've I've complained about Twilight Princess too much on this show that I, I I'm not going to do it again, but I have no interest in seeing those characters again. I saw Midna enough in Twilight Princess. Um, no. Oh no. man, but hear me no. out, Andy. What if they squeak in Vati into the games? Who's pretty prevalent in that part of the timeline? Get a little 3D Vati going on. He is he has nothing to do with that part of the timeline. Yeah, he does. Not really. With Twilight Vati- Princess. Vati's stuff takes place at like right after Skyward Sword at the very very start, and then kind of at the very end with Four Swords Adventures. But I mean, Four Swords like, Adventures, yeah. He's shoehorned in there to the point where like, who cares? Let's build you out that Vati timeline path. No, if we're gonna get Vati back, let's get him uh, as as the Pakori version, and let's let's kind of see how he made the permanent transformation from that into the Wind Monster as we know him. But no more Twilight, no. Ugly. No. No. Wow. <laughs> All right. 
It's a lot of nose. <laughs> Next question. Which Zelda game would you like a spin-off in which you see the story from another character's point of view? Good question. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? Oh, it's got to be uh, Ocarina of Time, but from the perspective of Zelda. I was going to say that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm stealing answer. everyone's answers. I'm sorry. Freaking Kevin over here. Or Majora's Mask from the perspective of the Skull Kid, and you are just the villain wreaking havoc. That'd be kind of cool, because when you, like, talk to the NPCs and do their stories, they talk about, you know, the Skull Kid interfering, and it'd be kind of cool to, to play that part. Yeah, right. just ruin everyone's good time. Crash a moon down. It could be, it could be like the duck game, or the goose game. Untitled oh, Skull Kid game. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a jerk uh, to everybody. So, uh, like, I think we all kind of had the same answer about Zelda in the in the seven year gap in Ocarina of Time because it's such like it's so ripe to be to be told like you know like something there's such an intrigue there like how did she avoid Ganondorf for all those years like what skills did she develop as as Sheik? Um, it's just there's so much potential there to tell a really good story. So yeah, it's it's cliche. But that's my answer. Uh, yeah, it was the same. Or um, Zelda from Skyward Sword, because she kind of goes on her own adventure as well. Oh, yeah. You get to see a little bit in the credits, but it would be kind of fun to play through those the surface as uh, as Zelda. Get a uh, spinoff where you play Groose. Here's, here's one for you guys. Breath of the Wild, but from the eyes of all of the champions, and them going into the Divine Beasts... Because because I will, I will die on this hill until the day that they boot me off this podcast. But I, I just think that it sucks that you don't get closure with the champions and you don't see their final moments. You don't know, you just you don't know. Like I feel like they didn't get the closure that they should have. So that would be cool to me. To Same. See. Yeah, I'd be down with that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's keep that uh, in mind. Let's get to the next one. Which Zelda character is simply misunderstood I don't know about this uh, I feel like most characters are like kind of straightforward I'd say Rivali maybe, maybe the shop guy from Link's Awakening <laughs> that's fair I would say Rivali I feel like Rivali gets a bad rap Rivali does get yeah, a bad rap he's yeah. Cool. yeah but like I feel like there's more to his character and I was really disappointed when we got the Champions Ballad, and I was like, yes, there's more cutscenes of the Champions. We get to see what freaking Rivali's deal is. And you barely get to glimpse it. <laughs> I feel okay. like he's got okay. a story, and I want to know what it is. K.O., what you think? Um, I guess it kind of develops in his character, but I don't know. Groose kind of just changes. He's not really misunderstood. He's actually kind of a jerk at the beginning. Yeah. I'm not too he's sure like, who's like misunderstood. He is like a reverse Gaston, yeah. Um, Betro from Skyward Sword. Everyone thinks he's a monster. Oh, that's good. He's really not. Good one. I'm trying to come up with some Skyward Sword lore here. Okay, here's one for you. And we were just talking about him. What about Vadi as a misunderstood villain? Now, let me set the table here. So Vadi, as we all know, is the apprentice of Ezlo. And Ezlo in the Minish Cap can be kind of like the surly old man at times, kind of like a jerk. What if, you guys, what if Ezlo was like a very oppressive master to Vadi and actually pushed Vadi to do the heinous things that he would later go on to do? I mean, I haven't played Minish Cap in a long time, so I don't know that, that story very well. But from what I've seen, I can I can get behind that that's kind of interesting actually okay i like it i thought that i thought that that idea might be kind of cool i just i'm starved for more body except if he was in a twilight princess <laughs> remake or sequel <laughs> then there's I always a catch again. <laughs> um this is a really interesting question kevin i think that you'll have a good perspective on this should the Link's awakening remake have been less faithful to the original game boy game yeah this is a hard one um I, I, I really like the Link's Awakening remake. Um, and it's very... It's different from Link's Awakening DX. And I feel like it's the logical kind of improvement. But it's a very, very different game. 
Um, should it have been less faithful? I don't know if that's the right wording um, to the original Game Boy game. It's it's tough. Um, I think they were both very different games. It's kind of hard to answer this. My my thought on this is like I think that the remake is obviously like a superior game, right? Like it's just got so much um, quality of life improvements. Mm-hmm. So many things have just been streamlined, but it does to me it does lose something, and I'm not sure what. And I and I don't know if I can even put it into words, but like. One thing that I think that I notice with this game is it just, it feels really, really small to me where the old game felt bigger. And maybe that's because the screens um, like shift and you don't go from screen to screen. So you can kind of disguise how small your world is a little bit better by having the, um, by having the screens kind of do the screen slide or whatever when you go to a different. uh, Yeah, it makes it seem a lot bigger. So that, that to me is just like, like it, it does seem small. I, I don't know. You're kind of right. Like it, I do think that, I think that it lost something. And I think that by, um, by the remake being so, so faithful in basically just a one for one copy of the original game that even though it is, it's a different game, it doesn't replace Link's Awakening DX, but even though that it's a different game, I think that it'll always be compared to, I mean, obviously, it'll always be compared to Link's Awakening DX, but, like, it, to me, I don't know. I, it, there's just something about it that when you make that comparison, the remake seems lesser, even though it's the better game. And I'm not sure if I articulated that quite the way that, like, I have it in my head. It's hard to put into words, but it's just there's something... I, I don't know. There's something for me that is holding the remake back from being, like, this amazing... Zelda experience, whereas like the original Link's Awakening DX was this, and maybe it's just because it came out first, but it was just like this surprisingly twisted dark world where nothing is what it seemed. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know if I'm getting my thought across right here, but it's just missing something for me. Yeah, there's there's like little things too with it that kind of stick out to me. Like there's a lot more like physics based things in this game. So, like, you have, like, the orbs that break through stuff, um, like an eagle's tower. Um, There's different physics with that. Um, Like, the Trendy game has some different mechanics to it because if you have to work around, like, that physics-based stuff. Some of the bosses change completely. Uh, Like, Facade is a good example. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I think there's there's enough where there's there's changes. You have, like, the fishing has changed. The minigame for the raft has changed a bit. Um, could there have been more things in this game? I think so. Um, I know we've we've talked extensively about the Dungeon Maker. Um, yeah. That's something that did not exist in the original game, but I don't think we need to dive that deep into it right now. We have already on previous episodes. Um, they're just different games. They're very far apart from one another, too. I think that makes it very different as well. I don't know if I can... Al, any, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't know if I can answer this question fully because I never played the original Link's Awakening. Um, right. And I don't... I guess, I guess I don't know what faithful means. Like, did it... Was it bad that it remained the same game or something? I'm not sure what this question is asking, but I really appreciated having it and it being what it was because it gave me the opportunity to play it. And, I, and it'll give a lot of new... Uh, Zelda fans an opportunity to play it here here's maybe a good analogy as to what the question means by faithful to the original game and um, I'm going to compare it actually to Metroid which uh, you can hear me do a lot of Metroid comparisons over on the Omega Metroid podcast available on iTunes and Podbean uh, at Omega Metroid pod but when Nintendo remade Metroid 2 the return of Samus for the 3DS um, they added in a lot of different post-game content, so like a, an extra hour or so. Um, they added in different moves, like different combos that Samus could do. They add, they completely redid a bunch of boss fights. To me, they like to me Samus Returns was a far superior remake than Link's Awakening was to 
to that. You know what I mean? Like they just they did a much better job remaking Metroid Two than they did remaking Link's Awakening DX. Um, and so again, like that, it was the same game, but there was a lot of stuff that was changed and like streamlined and just it, it was it was a lot more fun. And then there was extras and stuff as well. Whereas Link's Awakening, I mean, yeah, we did have chamber dungeons, but I, I just think that those missed the mark. Mm-hmm. Like that, that wasn't like what, it wasn't what anybody I think was talking about after playing Link's Awakening. Nobody was just like, man, that was wicked building chamber dungeons. Um, <laughs> but if they so, put yeah, like a I, dark I think, world in the game or something, that would be like, whoa. If they did something, uh, I, and that's maybe what I'm trying to say is like something is missing from the Link's Awakening remake. Um, and you know what? That game, another thing for me about that game that kind of holds it back is, uh, let's be honest, that's a 3DS game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it looks like a 3DS game. It is sh- shorter than many 3DS games. And it always kind of held it back to me that we're asked to pay the same price for Link's Awakening as we were for Breath of the Wild. So again, that's kind of working against it in my eyes as well. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but to me, it's just one of the things that holds it back. Uh, I don't know about Canada, but I think Link's Awakening, well, I bought it for $10 less than a normal Switch game. What? Yeah, so, uh, sorry, Canada. <laughs> this thing was $80 Canadian. Oh, woof, that's yeah, awful. Yeah, I think it was $50. Let me, uh, so for reference, every video game, a new console video game, every one of them is $80. Okay, for us it's sixty. Right. And then so and also for reference, Metroid Samus Returns is fifty for the three DS. Oh wow! And that I feel like is a far superior remake. I get you. Um, yeah. But, I don't know. I, I and this isn't to beat up on Link's Awakening. I think that you know the remake is awesome. It uh, it's just it's missing that that intangible quality to me. Yeah, I like it. I think it does a good homage to the uh, to the DX version of the game. Um, without just, I don't think it's a, a carbon copy per se. I think there's enough unique things. Some yeah. balance and, changes and, I do and hope stuff. That they, you know, I hope that they keep remaking Zelda games. I really do, and especially I love this. Uh, you know, I love the graphical presentation of Link's Awakening. Oh, it's so cute. It's yeah, I, it's. I can't explain it. It's just missing that something to me. Um, but let's not, let's move on from this. Allison, here's one for you. How do you mispronounce names in Zelda? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a running joke of how I say Majora's Mask. And actually, you know what's funny is I went up to my brother Shad the other day and I was like, how do you say the sequel game to Ocarina of Time? And he said Majora's Mask. And I was like, yes, so it's just how we learned it. It's not like it's not just me, okay? It's just how we learn to say it. <laughs> and then also, it's it's tough when you start uh, on something and you, and you just say it like, that way for so long. Yeah, like like Andy saying "fee," which is wrong. Oh, gosh, yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, Fi. So wrong. Yeah, it's uh, everyone mispronounces these things, but you know what? There's no like lexicon on how to pronounce a lot of the Zelda stuff, like, the the closest we get is Hyrule Warriors. And even then, right. that game isn't really the, the greatest um, example of, like, Zelda canon. So it's tough. I mean, I think Breath of the Wild did good on some things, too. Like, people were confused on how to say Gerudo, and that's how they say it in Breath of the Wild. So I feel like that's oh, yeah. canon, how you say it. Or how you say Deku, or whatever. See, I say Deku. Deku, Deku. Like a, like a deck. But I feel like those are close enough. Yeah. Here's two for you guys. I used to always say um, Hylian as Hylian. Oh, like no. Soft Y. Yeah. I Oy. always said Hylian. Yeah, Which Hylian. Which is strange because, like, obviously you say Hyrule. Right. Right? But then, like, Hylian. And it, I had to train myself not to do that. You know what's funny? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure it is Hylian, though. I think somebody did, like, an extensive video on it i can't remember but like the way it's supposed, yeah the way it's supposed to be pronounced is hillian but i don't agree with that i think that's even if it's right it's wrong <laughs> here actually and on the same uh, kind of vein as that it took me a while to pronounce nehru 
right? Because I used to always just say, like, Nairu. Nairu. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I would say Nairu's and that love. one, to me, doesn't even make sense at all, because, like, you're not acknowledging the why at all. But I don't know what it was. It was just Nairu. Like, Nairu's love for a long time. So I had to I had to retrain myself to uh, to say that one, too. Kepora Gebora. I feel like that's one that people would get. Raru. Raru. There's so Raru. many. What a name. Raru. I used to there are say, so many funky names. Yeah. I used to say uh, Ipana. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Ipana. We, we, we've changed that. <laughs> <laughs> we've changed that. You know, there are some mispronunciations that you make, and, like, you can stand by them, and you're like, no, by God, this is right. Yeah. Uh, Ip- it's Gerudo. With, uh, with Ipana. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I have never heard anyone say Gerudo in my life. I, I have. Like, I didn't know that that was a thing until, like, very, very recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. That's that's weird to me. And you know what? I bet we just triggered so many people by saying this, too. Like, <laughs> apologies for you and however you pronounce these words. You know what? I always pronounced um, Syria's name as Soraya. Mostly just because I like that better. Okay. Saraya like, Carey. That would have like an H on the end, I think. You say it's Saria? Pronouncing it like that. I always said Saria. Well, Saria. Or Saria, or like however. Like I still instinctively say Saria almost all the time to myself. And I, but I try to make a conscious effort not to do that on this show. But I also have a cousin named Mariah, so that kind of reminded me of her name. So I instinctively always just kind of made it rhyme with uh, Mariah. Mm. So that's that's another mispronunciation for you i bet you so many people are just like gripping their fists right now like come <laughs> on <laughs> One of those come on it's pronounced ganon so angry because <laughs> <laughs> you say something uh, wrong <laughs> okay let's uh let's keep it going here you know what this next question i'm gonna save and we're gonna do a full show on so i'm not even gonna ask it all right oh secret cool uh secret to on. everybody are you worried about the Zelda series being annualized? Great question. And just to, to set that up, just to, for everybody to make sure that we're on the same page. So obviously that infers that there will be a Zelda release, at least one Zelda title coming out once per year. And for a long time in the uh, 2010 decade, we had that. I think from 2012 until about 2018, we had at least one Zelda game come out every year. And even in 2018, you had, I think, Hyrule Warriors Legends, and you had the Champions Ballad DLC come out. Obviously, you know, last year we had uh, Cadence and Link's Awakening, so you could really say, like, for the last almost 10 years, uh, at least one Zelda title has come out every year. And a lot of people kind of associate that with games like Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty that just pump out a game every November, basically. And you can kind of see, like the quality in those titles um, start to dip. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people on both sides of the fence. What do you guys think about this? Go for it, Kev. All right. I am and I'm not. And I'll tell you why. I'm worried about it because there's only so much time that you can have for the Zelda Dungeon Marathon. <laughs> but I'm not. Um, I, I think that when you get certain... Like you have Hyrule Warriors as an example in Cadence of Hyrule where they're you know, not your mainline Zelda games. And they're coming out, the, and they're high-quality games um, by other studios with, like, a little bit of Nintendo supervision. Um, if the, if we get a game like uh, Hyrule Warriors one year, and then we get, like, a Breath of the Wild 2, and then we get, like, you know, the next, like, unique Zelda title, and then we get, like, Oracle of Ages and Seasons remade... Um, I, I think that's good. Um, you kind of offset your your game releases. I'm okay with that. I, I don't think the quality will start to dip if that happens. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I think that I think that for the Zelda series, it's, it's a little unique because in the last 10 years, we've gotten so many remakes. And that's a little different than than mm-hmm. saying you're getting a new console game every year. A brand new console game from scratch. So as long as our console games keep coming, um, and they feel like more spread out over the last couple decades, the console games keep getting a little more spread out. 
And I'm okay with that because Breath of the Wild was so worth six years of waiting. Um, so I, I'm okay as long as the console games are more spread out versus if you want to have another remake next year, Skyward Sword HD, if you want to have another spinoff series where another um, studio is working on it, great, go for it. I, I'm all for having multiple uh, or having annualized Zelda games just as long as the special, like the really hardcore mainline stuff is more spaced out. Yeah, I, I echo what you guys said as well. Um, it, you know, when I think of Assassin's Creed, and this is the big one to me that I always think of, because I really enjoyed the first couple Assassin's Creed games. And then, um, like, there was a new console release every single year, and it, it was just diminishing returns. And with Zelda, you do avoid that problem because it's not like you're releasing Breath of the Wild one year, Ocarina of Time 2 the next year, uh, Skyward Sword 2 the year after that you you have those remakes sprinkled in and you also have like Kevin said some of the side titles and some of the other titles the one thing that is a little bit concerning actually is that you don't have the 3DS anymore mm. and um, because you would see like typically in that run that we were talking about earlier you saw okay so 2012 had a 3DS game come out that was a remake and then it had a, a 3DS game come out that was a new game the year later and then it had a 3DS game that was a remake come out the year after that. So you do have, um, you don't have that kind of, I don't want to say backup console, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have that extra, like, this is coming out on the Switch. So you don't want to flood, I don't think, Zelda to the Switch too, too much. Um, but I think like a game like Cadence of Hyrule is the perfect thing to keep Zelda on people's minds. And it's different enough that it, it doesn't feel like, you're just like, ah, uh, I don't need to get uh, Skyward Sword HD because I just played Breath of the Wild last year. So I, I, I don't think that it's going to be a problem. Uh, we do have a lot of games in our, in, you know, in the Zelda backlog that could stand to be remade or remastered or just republished. Um, I think that, you know, if you released Twilight Princess HD or the Wind Waker HD, I think those would do really well on the Switch. So yeah, I, I'm not really worried about it. I would be. The only way I would be worried is if they started making new Zelda titles every year. Because I, I think that in that case, you just kind of, you're spreading your butter too thin, mm. as it were. Mm -hmm. Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> uh, okay, so two left here, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, let's, uh, let's do this thing. Does the Breath of the Wild sequel have the potential to be more dark than Majora's Mask? I'm going to take the lead on this, if you don't mind. Go for it. Do it. I don't. Uh, I think that the term "dark" is like kind of a dumb term to apply to video games, because like, because like, what what is dark to me? Dark is like when I think of like a dark Zelda game, I think of Twilight Princess, which is ugly. It's literally dark, <laughs> like you can't see anything. But then like, it also has these these like stupid scenes in there, like like Ilya with a knife and stuff like that, that are just there so that people are like, damn, this is edgy. This is so dark. It's <laughs> like, in that sense, I am, like, like I just, I think that the term is, is dumb. Because you look at, you look at Majora's Mask, like, it's a very colorful game with lots of very colorful, quirky characters. It's not like this, this slog. What they did was create an atmosphere that you have this impending doom coming. So, like, it creates tension so in in terms of that creating an atmosphere that exudes danger and tension and the feeling that time is running out yes i would love for the breath of the wild sequel to to maybe lean into that a bit more and you know kind of raise the stakes a little bit but like i just think like when i hear dark i always just think of that stupid scene in twilight princess and i'm just like <laughs> uh i don't like this because to me one of the darkest quote-unquote the darkest zelda games is link's awakening which is like this bright cheery game but it's just like you know that underneath this bright facade something is not right in the island mm -hmm. and to me that's really interesting and, and creepy almost i i can agree with that and yeah sometimes it's hard to discern when you're thinking more literally than you, the sense of the tone of the game but whenever i am mentioning dark or gritty i'm talking about the tone and the story elements like obviously Zelda games most of them are more colorful 
one actually a Zelda game that is really kind of bright and has like really good music and seems kind of upbeat but I feel has a really like darker understory is Skyward Sword like if you ever just pay attention to how Gearheen talks he is so like it's evil it the things that he says was surprising to me when I first played Skyward Sword because I was like god this does not sound like a Zelda game so I kind of like that, and I think of that, and I think Breath of the Wild has a potential to go there. I think something to do with like the nature of the game kind of takes away, and I think there's some comics and stuff of this, but um, with an open world game with so much to do, sometimes you can lose yourself in, in these, uh, I don't, I don't want to say in the moments, but you lose yourself in the moments where you're like almost forgetting why you're on this quest and it's like oh man i just got my you know korok number 650 and it's like wasn't i supposed to be like saving this whole world and like zelda's been fighting off ganon for a hundred years like i feel like there's certain things with majora's mask where like that tension is there and you're like racing to get to the next thing i love breath of the wild and and i think that a lot of the uh the characters in the world there too make it seem like man like you know, we can't even go near that castle. Like, don't go near it. I think that does a good job of painting that. Um, but there are times with, like, the open world style where it's like, I hope it, Breath of the Wild, like, the sequel doesn't kind of run away with that stuff. Um, could it be more dark than Majora's Mask? I don't know. You get the moon crashing into you. <laughs> That's pretty dark. That's pretty morbid. I agree, like, 100% with that statement that... Y- like in open world games you just kind of lose a sense of like what you're doing where you're supposed to be people criticize skyward sword for being this linear game but i don't think being a linear game is a bad thing at Mm -hmm. all um here's here's an example for you guys the last of us yeah universally regarded as one of the best games of the last generation it is a very very linear game like you can't really do anything like like there's no side quests you just play the game And it's fantastic. The story they tell is absolutely fantastic. And I feel like kind of the same way with Skyward Sword, and to a lesser extent with Majora's Mask. But yeah, I, I do think that you lose that a bit in in Breath of the Wild. I think that how Breath of the Wild 2 can achieve this is just show the signs of the destruction a little bit more. Because for the most part, um, Hyrule in, in Breath of the Wild is this gorgeous landscape where you see so many different things and it's really when you only get close to the castle that you see a lot of the destruction like you see ruins all over the place but they kind of look like maybe ruins that just fell over time rather than they were like full-on destroyed by ganon Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so they could maybe um they could maybe highlight that a little bit more in the sequel i think and just show the plight of what's going on to like every citizen in Hyrule. I think that's how you get that across a little bit more. Yeah. Make it it it's a post-apocalyptic world, but it doesn't feel very post-apocalyptic in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. It seems like a place I'd want to visit. Right. Right. All right, last question. This one is inspired by our fearless leader, Masi Segopian, because he said no and I said yes last year when we were talking about musical March Madness, which if you guys were excited and a fan of Musical March Madness last year, Get ready, because it's coming back this year, Musical March Madness 2. The question for you guys, and I want a yes or no answer. Do you consider the music from the Breath of the Wild story trailer an official Zelda song? Yes. 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 Three yeses. Take that, Moss. It's an official (laughs) Zelda song. I don't care if it's not in the actual game or not. Don't care. I don't know why it's not. It's really good. Well, his, I don't his, know why. His rationale was like the theme isn't in the game. And so that disqualifies it from being an official Zelda song. Yeah. You know what? And when it, going back to the Symphony of the Goddesses, one thing I was kind of a little disappointed about when I went to one of their last years of shows, when they brought in the Breath of the Wild music, they didn't play that. I feel like they could have had such an epic, like portion of their show be that trailer song and they didn't they chose something like the goron town theme song (laughs) i I haven't uh actually i haven't got the opportunity to see symphony of the goddess post breath of the wild to me like 
that that trailer theme is like far and away the best piece of music in breath of the wild and exactly. it's not even in that game i actually i don't think that breath of the wild is very strong when it comes to music and i know that i can hear people like pounding on their keyboards right now about that but <laughs> i just i don't i think that it's not a strong game in terms of music uh, oh, wow. compared to other zelda games and it's a different style i get that you know it's going more for ambiance and and all that and that's fine but like I don't know. It's just to me, it, it doesn't it doesn't translate as well as maybe like an Ocarina of Time or a Skyward Sword mm-hmm. or a Twilight Princess in terms of music, um, and especially not when you're taking the best song in the entire game and disqualifying it from musical marketing. <laughs> Wait, Andy, quick question: is is the trailer, the story trailer music, the best, or is it the music from Maz? What's his name, Maz Kashia? Oh, this the story trailer okay. music for sure. I I watch that trailer sometimes. I just periodically put that trailer into youtube i get goosebumps still like it's just it's so good i had tears coming down my face the first time i saw that trailer dude i was i was (laughs) watching it and i was uh, my 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 hairs on my arm were static they were standing straight up i had tears on my cheeks my my hair was just like it felt like it was tingly i was watching it and i was i was like this is this is life this is this is what it's all about right here I'm gonna go watch a trailer after we're done. Oh my god, same. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the goosebumps right now. So, I mean, that tells you all you need to know, right? It does. That's right. I've... All right. So that is all of our daily debate questions. You guys, is there anything else that you, uh, you want to say before we get out of here to put a bow on this episode? Uh, go to Yettos. Go to Yettos. <laughs> I go love it. Go eat the beast cannon. Put tell them that Skip and Kev sent too. you. Tingle Breath of the Wild. 2021 <laughs> tingle zone game on switch I support i support that uh, and i hope that you guys support our show today uh, of course we really appreciate you guys listening uh, i would love if you guys would support my new show all about metroid the omega metroid podcast over on podbean itunes march 3rd is the first episode it's going to be a weekly podcast and of course we're going to be gearing up for metroid prime 4 which to me is kind of like the second coming of breath of the wild in terms of how much i'm anticipating that game mean a lot if you could check that out recommend it if you got any metroid fans in the meantime of course we want you to head over to podbean's itunes wherever you get your podcast like and subscribe to the champions cast the best place to get your zelda hot takes news and everything in between uh thank you guys for listening we want you to check us out on twitter i am at spateri 316 allison is at allison aletha and kevin is at shbazzle that's going to do it for us and we are out of here we'll see you next week